but I'm passionate and I'm really interested in it. And I think that's why it works. But then, you know, I have all those things like, okay, I'm connected with these people. Like I'm listening, I'm observing, you know, I'm a contributor to their world, yet I'm not their world. From the cubicle to the lab, the studio to the war room, climbing the corporate ladder or joining a scrappy startup, experience a day in the life of the jobs you want. This is the Experience a Day in the Life podcast. We interview professionals, entrepreneurs, and recent grads about what a day is actually like on the job, hour by hour, or as we like to call it, they're a diddle, spelled A-D-I-T-L, which stands for a day in the life. This podcast will inspire you to gain experience beyond the classroom and launch a career of your own. We're your hosts, Chris DeBeau and Matt Poe. Welcome to part one in the two-part generational marketing series with youth brand and marketing strategist, Greg Witt co-author of the Gen Z Frequency. In this episode, we're going to experience a day in the life hour by hour in Greg's role so you can see if this is a career that's right for you. Greg's job entails working with brands and companies to help them tune in and build credibility with tween, teen, and young adult consumer segments. Let's get right into the day. It's 5am in California and Greg is getting his day started nice and early. Like most, Greg has a morning routine he likes to follow including meditation, crafting LinkedIn posts, getting a head start on some work, delegating some work to his team, dropping off his kids at school, and getting some exercise in. His exercise could include a visit to the skate park or just getting in a walk around the neighborhood. He's very productive in the mornings if you couldn't tell, especially when the caffeine kicks in from his flat white. On this particular day, Greg's to-do list includes responding to emails, reaching out to clients, delegating and collaborating with his creative team, brainstorming on strategy and creative solutions. So let's meet Greg and learn more about what he does. This is Greg Witt. I'm a Pisces. I am the executive vice president of youth marketing at Motivate Incorporated. We help create strategies and do media activation for brands reaching uh, multicultural groups, uh, tweens, teens, and young adults. So I do have my hands in strategy. I do have my hands in business development, of course. I'm very involved leading uh, all of our, our content for the agency. So who are some clients or what kind of companies or clients do you have? At oh, it's interesting. It's, it's pretty, pretty diverse. So, and it's uh, not, not really vertical specific. It's pretty agnostic. So uh, college board, Hollister, Wells Fargo, um, in the past, funny or die, Walt Disney world, HBO. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty all over the place just because we're not one of those, you know, like we just do automotive or we are really good at just pure CPG. You know, I've worked with Procter & Gamble and lots of CPG brands as well. So you're going into these companies as a consultant role and you're working on marketing efforts specifically towards youth, teens. Yeah, my team that I lead, we're, we're focused on youth Gen Z for, for today. And it's 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 a definitely a consultative role. It's more of like a specialist partner because we'll work with them our, with our client partners from consumer insights uh, programs, trend tracking, trend analysis through uh, to inform strategies. 
and and at times it just depending on the type of partner uh, it'll it'll go all the way through content and, and media activation sometimes that's just messaging and then uh, the in-house or their agency of record will handle the rest you know sometimes we're just advisory from sort of start to finish and then um depending on the the segment or or the particular role they'll just have us do everything turnkey small medium large (laughs) back to the day it's 8 a.m and greg's ready to jump into his work he prioritizes his tasks depending on urgency he could be doing anything from tweaking copy and messaging to assigning tasks to his team or even responding to critical emails at this point what are some tasks that you delegate out to the team and the workers that are under you? Uh, delegate people to to carry out strategy. And I'm trying to be better and better at not doing, you know, owning and completely doing strategy because there's a great way to not scale. But coming from a boutique, you know, agency, uh, not so getting involved in strategy thing. is hard not to. So I th- I've become pretty good at it. So mm-hmm. delegating anything media, you know, design team work, uh, consumer insights, you know, research plans. You know, I've, I've like wrote a book on how to effectively collaborate and and do from advisory to to pretty rich qualitative insights work. But I'm just completely will not even touch those kinds of projects now because it's like I'm not the best insights dude in the world and and people come to me, they want the best insights director, the best, you know, qualitative, quantitative person. That's that's not me, Mm -hmm. but I do understand exactly how that works. And so I'm just like, no, I don't touch that. I mean, that is kind of the gamut. Like when it comes to content production, just trying to, you know, make sure that anything beyond sort of a creative brief and the true messaging, I can't get my hands out of messaging. I just can't. It's just because I feel like I'm I'm so like in it and skilled at doing it that even like if the other copywriters are working on stuff, I have to be like at least stamping. You mentioned that you get a LinkedIn post out in the morning. Now, that's where we met, um, yeah. obviously. So I want to go a little more into it. What's your strategy when it comes to LinkedIn? Well, with LinkedIn, I, I have a few different platforms, right? So I've got, you know, Gen Z or youth culture sort of strategies and insights. I've got just leadership oriented pillar and then an entrepreneurship pillar. And so I will try to balance it out. Now, I do have an editorial calendar approach. So I'll do kind of a, you know, sort of planned, thoughtful approach or and I'll just go by my gut. So just trying to have have some fun with it because I, I feel like if none of this is fun, What's the I sure as fuck don't want to be doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why I try to keep coming up with stuff like, so th- I mean, strategically, I try to be like a certain level of edutainment. That's not, the, that, not exactly the right word for it because we're all adults and all that, but it's like, like I have my bullshit list, which has done really well. <laughs> and I just basically call bullshit on all this stuff that people like me say about Gen Z, you know, has a eight second attention span like a goldfish. 
And I'm like, well, well, shit, is this for real? (laughs) Like, this is for real. Like, I didn't make it up. It's that funny. But I'm like, no, it's like, go Google it. You'll find it in infinite amounts of articles. It's in business reports. I'm like, this is bullshit. Plus, it's like, I want to meet people in the real world. That's my status list. It's like, shit, I've now met, like. 50 of these people. Like, I actually know those people. I go and stay in Airbnbs with these people. I go to that person's business with those people. I don't think that everyone has that exact same goal. Let's talk about his Gen Z pillar a little more in depth. How can brands gain the trust of consumers in Gen Z? So in case you didn't know, Gen Z makes up everyone born between the years 1995 and 2009. I wanted to ask you about a quote I saw on your website and on your LinkedIn, and it said, quote, Gen Z wants transparency. They expect authenticity and demand originality. It's time to meet Gen Z where they are. Can you elaborate that a little bit? Transparency, just, it's okay to have an agenda. Just don't have a freaking covert agenda that's just about converting your sale. But it's like, just tell people what you want and like why they should give a shit. And don't, like sugarcoat it with like little fluffy advert advertising messaging, you know, just get, get to the marrow of what's going on. You know, lots of times it's said like, Oh, Gen Z has this maybe improved bullshit filter. I mean, I don't know if they do or not, but they definitely have more bullshit to filter at an earlier age. Yes. So I, it, to me, it's believable I mean, we all have the same bullshit to filter, but they've never known a time with less of it. Gen Z is going to come and Gen Z is going to go. But what I've specialized in doing, you know, for so many years is connecting brands with culture and connecting brands with with youth culture and, and, and how to like embrace youth culture. Because you're really dealing with life stages, then you're dealing with interests, you're dealing with certain moments in time. And it's that all of that together that gives you the ability to to connect with the audience you know really that takes like a personal immersion so i always look at it like what i do i'm just basically like a professional facilitator but i'm passionate and i'm really interested in it and i think that's why it works but then you know i have all those things like okay I'm connected with these people like i'm listening i'm observing you know i'm a contributor to their world yet i'm not their world. We have a joint venture with Kidsay, so we do trend tracking in in over 500 schools, and so we're we're working with 6,000 kids six to seven times a year. Kids, I'd say, from kids to teenagers, doing like quantifiable trend tracking. So then, therefore, I can stop and I can say, well, I I feel like I've been immersed in youth culture in various ways, some of which we've discussed, but then I can also look at the quantitative view and say, oh, okay, look. Here's this like true trend going on. This is actual data. Here are things happening and showing very quantifiable patterns that you can, you know, inform strategic decisions around. Greg's commute is pretty much non-existent unless you count walking downstairs a commute. He works from home in his home office. It's 9 a.m. and it's time to jump into projects he's working on. What's an example of something, a project that you're working on? Just developing the uh, the social strategy for with, with Cooper tires and tread wisely we're we're working on on developing that so it's relevant for young drivers so you're just 
coming up with great creative ideas, working from all the great work that they've already done and building on that and, and developing angles that will be calls to action to get the various results they're looking for, but then developing creative briefs and modifying creative that's going to resonate with young people. And then assigning that to different team members that are going to work on it and, and keep developing on it. Now it's noon and it's time for lunch, but the work doesn't like stop. stop. Like sometimes I'll just go out and like I said, I'll just go walk around or stretch and, and like do other stuff. Like maintaining your body is it's a big important part of uh, it, who you are. Right? It's critical. Yeah. yeah, because I've dropped the ball on it so many times. I'm not yep. great at this stuff. I'm just, I'm just saying like if I can get like two or three of these things in, you know, at these different times that we're talking about, I feel like a big difference. Right. I'm not going to be able to do all that other stuff. I got to be accepting of that and not get down because you didn't stay the course. Yeah. Mm. Something's be better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because that meal prep just went to shit. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, this Sunday's over, man. And you know what? I am freaking going to postmates this shit. Running to whatever the hell comes my way, you know? <laughs> It's now 1 p.m. and Greg is continuing to work on youth brand messaging and strategy for clients and scheduling meetings. What kind of meetings are you scheduling? Is this on a business development end where you're looking for new clients or what? Well, I'm on both then. So I'm, I'm, you know, there'll be client status meetings, working session meetings. There'll be business development meetings. There'll be new client pitches. If that has to happen in the first part of the morning, then I'll start shifting the deep work to that like 7 p.m. ish after time. The 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 danger of doing that, the brain is working a lot more sort of faster during the morning hours for me. But there's this other sense of just pure calm after like seven or eight. So I just try not to burn that candle to the point of burnout. Because you can get this real like calm time from eight, nine to like one or 2 a.m. But then you have to, like I've learned the hard way, I have to readjust that morning. So I've been really careful about doing, about not doing that. Like I still do do that. But even when I have to pull that kind of a night, I'm usually trying to do like 11 or 12 and not being like a, an idiot and then trying to go like, okay, I'm getting up at six so that the sleep doesn't get jacked. At least the amount of sleep doesn't get jacked because that's the big like crock of shit that people talk about. Like, like, you, you know, not like every, everyone's doing this, but a lot of people say, yeah, you have to do this, like, you know, eight to 2 AM thing. If you really want to be successful and all this and like, but like not at the expense of not sleeping because that's how people get sick. And that's, that's bad advice. You working in the afternoon, uh, you'd mentioned that you work in 20 to 30 minute intervals. Is this, you know, the more efficient way for you to get stuff done rather than working three hours straight? Depends. I, I, I'm, I have undiagnosed ADD, so I don't know. <laughs> it, it freaking works for me. Right. You That's know? awesome. Because, I mean, if, I, if I'm going for like three full hours, there's definitely there's going to be a 15 minute in there. Yep. I mean, because you are when you're working on a, on a long strategy or you're working on a pitch deck or you're, you know, working through like an entire campaign, you, you're pretty much, you might be, ha you know, sometimes you're half day on that mm -hmm. and you're kind of shifting that routine to another day or to the evening or to the next morning. And then, you, you know, you do have to kind of break, you know, key emails, you know, don't go too far. 
Don't go too far down the trail. Do you have anything stimulating that you regularly do in your breaks? Mm, I I like just having quick blitz thoughts on content. Like I have lots of different content sheets, like sandboxes open, and I'll be like inspired by just everything going on in the actual real world that I'm working on, which I think is the best content inspiration. And I'll try to just write stuff and just come up with ideas, you know, same for client projects, you know, I'll be like, Oh, what about this? And I'll have a sandbox for that client and be like, Oh, what about if they did this, 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 and this, like, I don't want to lose. That is like how nerdy I am, <laughs> you know, honestly. And then like when I was doing that bullshit list, it became like a, a side stimulating thing for me just to like research bullshit. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. So I just started so researching bullshit and I was thinking to myself, <laughs> I thought that it was just the eight second goldfish attention span. That was the bullshit. <laughs> no, and then I just started it. like researching for the bullshit. And I was like, well, what's that? Like, <laughs> and then I just started like really thinking about it. And I was like, who even like, what does targeting millennials mean? Yeah. Right. And what does targeting Gen Zers mean? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, I just went on and on and on. Not to the point of overanalyzing it, but I started finding so many like golden nuggets of like, Gen Z are really into like music. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Very I was profound. like, holy crap. And I was like, this is a research report. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, I mean, I'm like, like, I have to find something fun. It's 3 p.m. now, and that means it's time for Greg to pick up his kids from school. Just want to have you speak on how important it is having a job and a career uh, that allows you time to spend with your kids because you do say you spent about 90 minutes with them um, on this particular day yeah to me it's like if if uh i can't like be there you know for my kids as like a, a guide which is all really we can be as parents like then i don't even want that that work i'm not, i have no interest i'll find something else were you so. always like that when you Mm, first no. started your career? No. Well, I mean, when I first started my career, I was a kid. Right, yeah. Oh, so I didn't even think of shit like that. You realize, like, the influence, the impact that you have on other human beings. And, you know, it's like, it's easy to, I, I speak from experience, it's easy to just be a pure workaholic and, like, not focus on your family. And it's like, for some reason now, I just totally get it. But honestly, that just, I have to say, like, I hope that there's like young people who can just figure it out. But I think you also just have to like live and learn. After spending an hour and a half with his kids, it's back to work for Greg for his clients. But he also spends some time working on content and promotion for his book, The Gen Z Frequency. What kind of projects are you working on during this time? It depends. It's the strategic and creative. It's any of the work. Like you're either catching up on the the tactical day-to-day -day tasks, things that you didn't get done because you might've been working on deeper work or it's the opposite. You know, it's really just like, here's this time to make sure that either the a main big projects happen or that the loose ends are, are being, you know, taken care of and then resetting, you know, for the day. That's like a nice, I mean, that's where I, thankfully that's kind of where I've been recently. Like, you know, relatively well-managed <laughs> in the good. fact of like, yeah. okay, you know, it's like, okay, things are cool, you know, which is nice because I do have these, like, these few little gaps to be like an actual dad, you know, 
And therefore, so I don't mind having to go into the night a bit because I've, I've separated, I had a few little gaps in there of being like an actual dad. Cause we all know that that's, there's not many of those. I was like actually <laughs> engaged, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so like, I'm going into the night, fair enough. And then, you know, I have a few nights where you just, you don't do that. And I think it's like having these honest dialogues with yourself and, and, and your team. And then, you know, also that's like a personal thing with your own like partner to go like, is it all balanced out? And to understand that there's going to be times when it is not. Keep that in intervals. Let's get right into your book because I want to ask about that. Tell us where did the idea come from? How long did it take to write it? Well, some details. Yeah, the Gen Z frequency. You know, it's a, about helping brands, you know, tune in to the various audiences and build credibility, basically. The concept, the Gen Z frequency. Let me let me start there. Just, I think this is not limited to youth culture. This is certainly not limited to Gen Z. But there's this reality that as brands or organizations, we have to get on the same page with our consumers. The frequency is really the overarching description of of many different generational cultural subgroup voices that make up the. The, the Gen Z group of today. And, and that, that same philosophy can really be applied to any, any demographic. It's just that the lens of the book is focusing on youth. It's kind of, really some cool backstories with the book. Um, we were originally, Derek Baird and I were originally asked to write a book just purely like on Gen Z. Like, who is this generation? You know, tell me the trends, tell me all about it. And we were able, we were given the, uh, long story short, you know, we were given the green light to do that book. I think the problem though, like if you look at like, what's the problem and then like, how are we solving it? There was not a book on how to specifically engage, well, many audiences, but there was not a like, hey, if you want to connect with youth culture, like how do you do it? Let me tell you, by the time that I got to chapter four, I realized like there's a reason why nobody fucking does it. Yeah. Or <laughs> it's like, it's hard. I sat down and when we were really, uh, you know, I led chapter four, I basically, you know, did all that. I had a copy editor helping me with that. And I had some, so, you know, Susan helping me like just to craft my thoughts and organize me. And I was like, ah, I, I get this is a feeling. And I was like, so many people know, so many people connect with culture really well, very expertly. And I need to write about it. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so fun. This is easy. This is what we do. This is the, this is the sauce. The sauce is like access, relationships, understanding sort of the unwritten rules or codes to connect with different cultures and then how, you know, certain cultures are alienated by other cultures and then where is their overlap and where is, you know, and how big do you go? Do you go mass? Do you not go mass? And I was like, I understand that. And when when you put pen to paper, it's so difficult to describe how that. to like translate. And so, that. yeah, exactly. Sure. And so I had written the chapter and basically it sucked. It sucked ass. <laughs> and it was like basically this rant about like these cultures and this cultures. And I was like, nobody cares. Right. It's not applicable to anyone who picks up this book. And I like, I cried for a moment and burned that chapter and started over and I developed a framework. That's when I developed the youth culture alignment framework, which is basically a layer uh, of view an approach to segmentation of looking at, you know, contextual realities, situational, what have you, um, interests, 
the, the, the cultural groups that people are part of and, and what are their needs, you know, right now. And not just limiting it to demographics, but, but nodding to demographics and knowing that demographics matter and, and, and frankly, not even really touching generational marketing at all. It's just a tool. Yeah, so you can pull that thing out of your bag and you can go, I'm going to, I need to, I need to target 40 year old professionals. All right, well, pull out the framework and get aligned, you know, it's just that all of the examples and all of the, the, the frame of which it is in the Gen Z frequencies is targeting, you know, Gen Z today is targeting that, that tween, teen, young adult audience and which is, you know, what we have a good time doing. And then I just want to close out. I want to highlight some of the activities that you are doing to actively promote your book. You know, I would say there's strategy, the the campaign. There hasn't really been a campaign. It's been more, here are these key things that we're going to do. But now that we're going to be launching um, at value added video content so that there'll be shorter form content that everyone sees. And then there's going to be longer form content that comes out that you you have to have bought the book. We're doing like a full like video series and it's almost like between seven and like 20 minute long content that bare minimum that'll be gated. And I know we're working out like the mechanics on that, but yeah, that's, that is a actual series and it's more campaign oriented. The other, at first it's really just been like, well, here's these stories from the book and, here's what's going on and, and getting it out there and just being like, it's, you know, honestly, like it's, that's one of those challenges of like, well, what do you focus on? Do you work on yourself in this book or do you work on your clients and you work on the business? It's going to, you know, it's, it's just starting. I'll tell you that much. Before we go, quick disclaimer. We just wanted to let you guys know when we recorded this interview, he was the EVP of Youth Marketing at Motivate Inc. Motivate is an agency that specializes in segment leadership, customer insights, and media activation for reaching multicultural youth and LGBTQ consumers. With the success of his book, The Gen Z Frequency, he has since left the company to focus more on work with his book Out Now, The Gen Z Frequency, and his own youth marketing agency, Engage Youth Co., So you just experienced a day in the life of a youth brand and marketing strategist, but how does one actually become one? In part two of the Generational Marketing Series, join us as we go through Greg Witt's career journey and experiences leading up to where he is today. We also talked about the origin story of his book, The Gen Z Frequency, which is out now, by the way. We're going to reminisce with Greg on some good times with good times, Greg's skateboarding company, and the brand he started when he was only 16 years old. And we'll walk you through Greg's experience working with prestigious companies and brands that's given him the right to call himself a youth brand and marketing specialist. Stay tuned. At Experience a Day in the Life, we're building an online library of content all focused on a diddle or a day in the life of different jobs and professions across the world in all different industries. So if you want to share your a diddle, you can do so at xadiddle.com slash share dash my dash a diddle. That's x-a-d-i-t-l dot com slash share dash my dash a-d-i-t-l. 
Thanks for listening. Head over to exadiddle.com. That's X-A-D-I-T-L.com. There you can find the show notes for this series and more A Day in the Life articles. And you can get to know us and our guests more by joining our communities on social media. Follow at Xadiddle on Instagram and on LinkedIn by searching for Krista Bow and Matt with one T Poe. If you learned something in this episode, please take some time to help our mission by leaving a positive rating and review of the show. Each week, we bring you a new interview series with guests from different jobs and different industries. In each series, we'll live a specific day in the life, hour by hour, and experience their career journey. So don't forget to subscribe.